calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca. Welcome to The Geek Buddies. And today we are all uh, doing a spoiler filled review, spoiler filled review of The Lion King, the live action film from John Favreau. I am joined as always by Michael Vogel. And this is Shannon McClung. Now, Shannon has not seen the movie, but if he's seen the animated movie, he has seen the movie, so. He's... If a movie's a shot-for-shot remake of another movie, is it a spoiler review? That's the question. <laughs> That's, a fair... That's a fair question. So everyone went into this summer. Disney had two live-action adaptations yeah. of, of past animated features. Everyone went into this summer being The Lion King is going to be fantastic. Aladdin looks like it is just going to shit the bed. Right. Now, coming out of Aladdin, we all got to see it early. Like, wow, that was really great. The marketing did not do it any justice. Now, the marketing for The Lion King... Did do it justice. Yeah. Um, how did the movie actually pan out? I have to say, Mike and I are pretty much on the same page. Disappointment walking out of the theater. I remember uh, leaning. O- I remember looking over at Michael about three quarters in the movie, and Michael is getting uh, crunched in, scrunched in more and more because Michael's not a big fan of not liking things. And so when I see his body language start to fold in on itself, it's because he is really not having it. And he audibly sighed. He audibly sighed a couple of times. He started doing the lines of the movie right, like split seconds before the line showed up on the movie because literally it was a shot-for-shot shot remake. Even the actions he did beat by beat through the last 20 minutes of the movie, and I was just like shocked at how uninventive that was. Mike, yeah. as the Disney guy? So a couple things. I, Lion King is probably my favorite Disney animated feature film. Okay. Uh, I believe the summer that it came out, I think I saw it at least 10 times in the movie theater. I'm, I, was, I, was, I was a h- hardcore nerd for Lion King. Um, so yeah, so the movie starts. <laughs> Circle of Life comes on. It's beautifully shot. It looks gorgeous. I'm watching it. The sun comes up. I'm like, oh, okay, beautiful sun, yeah, obviously. Then a rhinoceros kind of looks up, and I'm like, oh, I think that's, I think that's the same. 
<laughs> I think I think that's the same thing. And then there's some uh, antelopes, and I'm like, yep, yep. And then there's a there's a cheetah, and I was like, huh. And I remember thinking to myself, if we do that shot of the zebras, and then we rack focus to see the ants in close up, I think we're probably going to be in trouble. <laughs> and then the zebras ran, and we racked focus, and I was like, fuck. <laughs> because I think I said when we did our summer preview, and we were talking about trailers and stuff, and we talked about Lion King. I think I said a lot of people are saying it's going to be a shot-for-shot remake because of the trailer is showing a lot of the shots of the movie, but it's not going to be. They're not going to do that. I remember some contentious threads. Favreau said it, but you didn't really believe that it was going to be a shot-for-shot remake. I I just felt like, you know, some of the better Disney remakes that I think, including Jungle Book that Mm -hmm. John Favreau did, like they really sort of uh, added to the story. They did a lot more. They did stuff. And with Lion King, they really didn't. It Aside from like maybe like two little scenes that I can think of, it's it is virtually a shot for shot remake with almost the same dialogue. Like no line, new character motivations, nothing like no that. No new character, no nope. mo- like it's it's literally the animated movie with less animated characters. Okay, uh, yeah. and and it's just there's no reason for it to exist. I think that's the thing that permeated our because we went out and had a drink afterwards. And I think that permeated our conversation is this feeling of like. Why even do it if you're going to do this? And I get it. You're like, oh, you're reintroducing it to generations or blah, blah, blah. But that animated film is fantastic. That animation still holds up, still funny, great moments. Timon and Pumbaa, who are, by the way, are the reason to see this I will say, like, the one thing, the one thing I will say, and John and I both agree on this, like, Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen as Timon and Pumbaa are the standout. It was so refreshing anytime they were on screen because it was the only thing that I was enjoying. So they they're great, and if you're gonna go see this movie, uh, they're they're the reason to watch it. They're amazing. Everything else, and and I'm not even blaming the other actors. I don't think that anyone else is doing a bad job. Well, I I, I think that's not the that's it, not. The it sounds like John disagrees. With John you. John has John has a couple a couple days, but I don't think anyone else did a bad job. I just think it, it everyone else just sort of falls flat, and a large part of that is in addition to it being a shot for shot remake. Uh, because they're going with photorealistic animals and maybe because they were afraid of pushing any of the animation too far because they really wanted mm. it to be like live action, the animals animals don't really emote. And you can, through CG and through other stuff, you can force animals to emote and you can give them eyebrows and you yeah. can make them do things that they can't really do. They chose in this movie to not do that. And so you have a bunch of characters having these big conversations and they're not really emoting that much. In the face, yeah. uh, in the way they're talking. So you're also getting a here's a shot for shot remake where nobody is nearly as expressive as they were in the original. And it's not as beautiful. It's a beautiful movie. Don't yeah. get me wrong. The like, cinematography. The, the cinematography that they do, the effects they do, it's, it's gorgeous to look at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just like it's not adding anything so think, john performance wise yeah, yeah, yeah now now we've heard timon and pumbaa i heard john oliver also stands oh out. john was great who who didn't stand or rather who stood out in the wrong way <sighs> well i think this is inherent the inherent problem with the movie because i was going along with it because i'm not as like note familiar to it as michael is because it's his favorite film i would be that way about i was that way about aladdin um and maybe i'd be that way about finding nemo because i know every beat of that movie but with this i was just like going along with it but as soon as they switch to the older Simba and the older Nala and all of that, I started to lose any emotional weight or resonance in the film that had kind of been there. 
uh, it disappeared. I didn't. I don't think I. I and look, people come after me if they want. I thought Donald Glover and uh, Beyonce, to a degree, kind of foamed their performances in because they didn't make those characters breathe or come to life. And I think Michael makes a great point: not being allowed to emote in the face kind of undercuts the emotional weight of it as well. But also. My big complaint about the movie, it's not, I mean, you could get over the acting stuff. It's that they didn't flesh out the story. There is so much time to explore in a live action version of an animated film in between where he loses his dad and you get after, and after he hears Hakuna Matata, there are scenes that you could have with him and Timon and Pumbaa and him just like trying to get over the loss of his father. You don't get over the loss of your dad. I don't care how old you are. Uh, as long as you're cognizant of it by just singing a song. Like, there's more to it. I think they made mistakes there. I think Nala growing up, we don't see how Nala comes into uh, her age under Scar's leadership, right? Yeah. There's stuff like that, that you could explore that would make sense to see Nala being defiant. Well, Why is she so defiant? It can't just be the simplistic, oh, Scar's a bad guy. There's more here. And also... If Scar is such a deviously intelligent bad guy, why is he so blatantly stupid as to admit that he remembers looking in, uh, you know, in Mufasa's eyes and seeing that fear? It's such a dumb mistake for a person who's supposed to, who says, "I got the brains in the family." At the right. beginning of the movie, it's just and that was a change. So there's like a couple changes. Right. So uh, one of them, the John's, uh, the additional. One of the additional scenes that's in the movie is you see Nala escaping and leaving the Pride Lands, which mm-hmm. we don't see in the original. She just kind of shows up out mm-hmm. in the jungle where Timon and Pumbaa and Simba Well, she was are. Out, like, out hunting, right? She's out hunting yeah, okay. to right. find food because there was no food in the Pride Lands. Right. So there's a specific scene in this movie where Nala makes the choice to leave to find help and almost gets caught by Scar and the Hyenas and Zazu kind of helps her. And so like that's a, that's a new scene. And I'll tell you, like I was I – was, I was jonesing for new scenes like like I was in the desert looking for water. Like, any difference from the original, I was like, I would soak it up. Yeah. So I, I actually liked that scene just because it was new. It was something that I hadn't seen before. One of the other differences that I thought was interesting and I really wish they had made more out of is um, – it's not just Banzai, Shenzi, and Ed as representative of the hyenas right. at the beginning. Like, there's a bunch of hyenas, and Shenzi, which, uh, who Whoopi Goldberg played in the original, um, I'm not sure who played her in this version. It's the actress from Black Panther who was like the lead Dora Milaje. Ah, okay. Yeah, her. Um, she, uh, they, they set Shenzi up to sort of be the leader of the hyenas. And she represents sort of, she speaks for all of them. She's sort yeah. of the head hyena, which that wasn't a thing in The Lion King. Mm-hmm. And that was a cool idea mm-hmm. that they changed that scene a little bit. And I wish they had made more of it. I wish they had made more of Shenzi sort of speaking to why the hyenas felt like they were treated unfairly and Scar kind of playing on that and making a deal with them. I think that there, there's a lot more they could have, to John's point, mm-hmm. dealt with in fleshing out this world of the Pride Lands and this ecosystem and how it worked. And they just kind of didn't. Like, they, they, they switched some lines around. Uh, and then... Oh, be prepared. Oh, yeah. that Yeah. I mean, I don't think any I mean, Circle of Life is beautiful and it's a beautiful moment. And if you just want to look at Circle of Life as a it's shot for shot what the movie was, but it's beautifully done and it's whatever. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, I just can't wait to be king. I think kind of falls flat compared to the animated movie. It comes out of nowhere. I think Can You Feel the Love Tonight kind of falls flat compared to the movie. They oversing it. Uh, 
I think Hakuna Matata fares the best because I think Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen are so fun. Agreed. And be prepared. They just cut it way down to almost a, a nothing, a nothing song yeah. that's sort of spoke sung. And it's just such a disappointment because like that's like top five Disney villain songs of all time. Yeah. And I just think that without without the way that you can play with color, the without the way that you can play with acting, without the play that like like they were sort of they sort of hamstrung themselves. It's like, you know what I don't want to see when I watch Planet Earth? A musical number. And this was sort of like they were oh, they were trying to be like, Hey, look, it's Lion King, but it's like Planet Earth and here's a musical number, but it doesn't work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think Timon and Pumbaa is where you want to look at in terms of this. Timon and Pumbaa, what uh, uh, um, Seth Rogen and uh, uh, Billy Eichner do here is improve upon what Nathan Lane, and I forget the other actor. Ernie Sabella. Ernie uh, Ernie Sabella? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, They take what they did in the original animated film and they improve on it. And they have their own way of making it funny. And it stands out. And it feels original even though it has a source. It's a spin. It's a spin on Timon It's a spin. The whole film should have been what Timon and Pumbaa were in this movie, which was a spin on the original, but doing it their way. Also, that is not here. Nathan Lane is very gay. (laughs) But Billy Eichner's Timon (laughs) is way gayer than Nathan Lane's Timon. As the two straight men in the room, we will default uh, to Michael's opinion on this. Billy, Billy Eichner's Timon, I was like, girl... You gay, uh, but but delightful. Yes, agreed. Or gay very and funny. delightful. Yes, um, and and the um, the random Disney song from another musical that popped up that they did was brilliant. I thought that was really a funny. Nice spoiler review. We can okay. All right, fine. They did be my guest from be guest. Beauty, be- Beauty and the Beast. Oh, it was as very... a way to distract the hyenas. Yeah. So like in the what? So again, in one of those moments that you sort of switched out a little bit, uh, you know, in the original. In the yep. original movie, when they're trying to distract the hyenas at the end, it's like, well, what do you want me to do? Dress and drag and do the hula, and then Timon does the whole hula bit with Pumbaa as the as the as oh, the, the the pig on the, the pig platter. on the platter. Yeah, right, right. Uh, and so then, when they were doing the distraction this time, same beat, same moment, same joke, but Timon is like. It is with deepest pride and greatest pleasure that we welcome you. So that was good. So that was a cute moment. But uh, but yeah, like I mean, I, I gotta tell you, I mean, if you would to your point, Shannon, if you told me at the beginning of the summer that I would have been uh, charmed by Aladdin and just not into Lion King. Mm. At all on any level, I would have been like, "You're crazy," and that's that's where we are. Yeah. I was yeah. I was sorely disappointed, and I thought I was the only one. Like it was a creeping feeling inside me. I was like, "I don't want." It's a terrible is, feeling, yeah. And I'm like, is, "Is Michael enjoying this?" Because like, is it me? And then he had this, ugh, like, there was this un. He couldn't stop at least it coming out at one moment. And once he, it came out of him, I was like, okay, I think we're on the same page. Yeah. And then when we talked about it, I, was, I knew we were. But um, yeah, the, the thing at the end of the day is that it, it doesn't hit the – it doesn't feel original or interesting. And it's almost deflating in a way because I'm curious to see how the box office of this thing ends up because – more than a few people I spoke to were like, I don't need to see it again. Like, oh. I saw it once, but I don't need to see it again. I had already Aladdin, made plans. I had already yeah. made plans because, you know, like, you know, we're, it, we're all we're lucky enough to get to go to these screenings uh, before the movie comes out. Sure. But I have a lot of friends who are really excited. And I had already been like, all right, hey, it comes out while we're at Comic-Con, but maybe Sunday night we'll get dinner. We'll go. Yeah. And I texted people today and I was like, y'all go see it. I'm not going. Yeah. And I took everybody. We went to go see Aladdin. I went to go see Aladdin again. Yeah. I had a I had a blast seeing it with all uh, our other friends. 
And with this one, I was like, I, I literally can't sit through that movie a second time. It's at 55% on Rotten Tomatoes. I would, wow. It, all I could think of for the entire movie was, I wish... I almost wanted to stand up and walk out and go home and watch the original. Mm. Yeah. Like I don't have mm. any desire. But I will say this, and not in defense of the movie, but we were talking about this last night. Like yeah. I I still don't mind Disney remaking their animated classics. Agreed. And here's why. I think that people sort of forget how much Disney has imprinted their versions of these movies. Like their their versions of these movies are our modern day mythology. Before Disney, there was no Ariel. There was no Ursula. Flounder, Sebastian, these characters didn't exist. There was no Gaston. That villain didn't exist. There weren't enchanted objects. Yeah, the enchanted place. Uh, Those things Mm -hmm. don't exist. Like Lion King, of course, you know, was a, like none of that was there. It was based on Hamlet. You know, so all of these, you know, Aladdin, the whole concept of Aladdin is really about Aladdin freeing the genie on his third wish. Like this was, this isn't from hundreds of years ago. This is what Disney did. And so because this is our modern-day mythology, I have no issue with us retelling these stories over and over and over again the same way that we're retelling these stories from comic books in Marvel and DC or the same way that we go see a new version of Hamlet or a new version of uh, Taming of the Shrew or any of these stories. But but if you're going to do it, there has to be a reason to do yeah. it. You, there has to be, we're telling this in a different way because we're going to cast a black Ariel or we're going to deepen the story like we did with Jungle Book or with Aladdin. We're going to add a, but we're going to, we're going to change Jasmine's story and make her Sultan. So, or like, even with Mulan, we're going to remove the songs and make it more, of more, a, more culturally more appropriate. appropriate yeah. So, like, if there's a reason for the story to be, if there's a reason to tell a different version of the story that's going to deepen the characters or be more realistic or be more true for anything that you're going to do, that that's great. Um, and sometimes you try and do something different like you did with Dumbo and it just falls on its face because right. it was not well done and it's not a good movie. But Lion King was not any of that. Lion King was just a, here's a movie you love. Here it is virtually the same all over again. And so if wow. Disney's going to continue to do this, they need to understand that every story has to have a reason for existing, even a story that we've heard before. Yeah. Okay. It's essentially tracing. And I didn't like that. And nothing against John Favreau. Favreau's a fantastic director. This is beneath him to have done it this way. So I'm surprised all around about how I felt afterwards. And I'm kind of sad about it because I was hoping to fall back in love with the movie through a different uh, approach. And unfortunately, that's not the way this thing went down. Yeah. I mean, based off of what you guys have said, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is this is a daytime matinee if, if I go see it. Yeah. yeah. Honestly? Come over. I'll pour some drinks, and let's just watch the original. <laughs> you'll see. You'll you'll have a better experience than sitting in the movie theater. I mean, to, I mean, and like, I mean, like, I'm joking, but also I'm not. Of every version of like these things, like I would sit down with anybody aside from Dumbo and kind of watch any of the Disney remakes and like talk about what I like and what I don't like. There is truly no reason for you to see this movie. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and someone once this movie comes out on digital, someone is going to do a side by side of the entire movies next to each other, and it is going to upset a lot of people. I'll, I'll tell you this just to wrap it up because we're just we're just yeah. saying the yeah, same yeah, thing yeah. over and over again. Uh, but like, there's a moment that I love in Lion King. I just love the camera movement of this moment. It's when it's right after Mufasa has fallen into the gorge, and Simba's like looking for his dad, and he's looking around. And all the wildebeests have gone, but there's one wildebeest. And you kind of hear it before you see it. It's like, just like, you know, it's like, whatever. And it comes running towards Simba. 
and the camera sort of whips past Simba following the wildebeest, and the wildebeest bends around a corner, and that's the first time you see Mufasa's body. That's, mm-hmm. that's the moment. When I tell you <laughs> that I was moving my hand with the camera... He was! <laughs> that it was... The exact same shot, beat for beat. I think John Favreau actually said in an interview, and this is also true because yeah. I, like I said, I know the music really well. The score is the same. Yeah, like exactly the same because it's shot for shot, and they didn't have to change it. I think that's what frustrated me when I saw a screenplay by Jeff Nathanson. If Jeff Nathanson didn't write the original film, the animated film, he should not get a screenplay credit for writing ten lines. And letting Billy Eichner pretty much ad lib all his stuff. Like that and Seth Rogen. Like that. And you know that stuff was ad lib. Of course it was. Of course it was. <laughs> but, and Rafiki too. Like, I don't want to jump off this review before we say how much they neutered Rafiki, which I was really pissed off about because Rafiki is the relationship here that is really important. And to neuter it in this way and well, turn him into a, essentially a babbling. Uh, well, they took, for all that they did everything line for line and shot for shot. Yeah. They actually, one of the cuts they made was all the good dialogue that Rafiki has with Simba. Yeah, which is really important so that when they come back together later, the, the fact that he's teaching about his father again carries more emotional weight, which is inherent to the like, problem of the movie. The emotional weight of the resonance is not there. All of the weather's changing and the yeah. doesn't matter. It's in the past. What are you going to do? Like the, you know, like, None of oh, that wow. happens. That, that whole little bit there at the end is just taken out, and it really does sort of just take Rafiki and make him less than. That's, yeah. that's the thing. Overall, this whole movie feels like Lion King, but less than. Ooh, that's a great point. Wow. Absolutely. But still, great performances by uh, 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 James Earl Jones and Alfre Woodard. I thought they were incredible. Chouette to for I miss Jeremy Irons. I think there's a way Jeremy did it that was more regal and, more, and less whiny. And I love that. Less whiny and jealous. It was more, I deserve this. Mm-hmm. Versus, I deserve this. And I think that was the difference, too. Yeah, you can't, you can't beat Scar. Yeah. Top, like, be- one of the best Disney villains ever. And he, fe- I do think, and, like, that's true. It'll be interesting. Melissa McCarthy's got some big uh, tentacles to fill. <laughs> because uh, both, you know, with Aladdin, Jafar was just the big miss of that movie. Right. And yes. there's a lot of misses in Lion King, but Scar is definitely one of them. I think Disney villains are so iconic that uh, it's hard to fill. Their, and they're always so larger than life and over the top. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I don't think they've nailed it yet. And coming up on Little Mermaid... Ursula is right up there with Jafar and Scar as like one of the top biggest. I mean, she's based on a drag queen, like based on divine. Like you've got to really come to play and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Agreed. So I don't know if you guys can tell what we thought about the movie, (laughs) (laughs) but we're open to hear what you thought about the movie. And of course, if you have a different opinion than we did, uh, be prepared to argue with us about it. And there you go. See what I did there. That's good. That's good. That's good. From the movie. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, that's our spoiler-filled review of uh, the Lion King here. Um, Shannon, where can they find you? Yeah, on uh, on you can follow us on Twitter at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies, and if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. You can follow me at MKToon on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, hey, if you liked our review or you don't like our review, but you like us or you like what we said, but you don't agree with John Roca, whatever you feel, it's all fine. <laughs> give us some reviews. Give us some stars. Give us some ratings. It helps us out a lot. Uh, and we like the feedback. 
Damn right we do. Yeah, do that on iTunes because uh, the more you review our podcast or give it ratings, the higher up will climb up and be seen by more and more people and grow the Geek Buddies family to include more buddies. So there you go. Uh, you can follow me at The Roker Says on Twitter and on Instagram. And for now, that's it from The, the Geek Buddies. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.